and we're live. Hello and a very warm welcome to Not The 92 Extra with me, Greg Clark. As always, I am your host and I'm joined as ever by the mercurial magician from the kingdom of Margate, Tom Mitchell. I hope you're all keeping well as we look forward to, well, the new the, the National League weekend, which has just, just gone by. There's been a lot of cup upsets, there's been a lot of good form in the league and it promises to be a very, very good season from now on as well. But we're not here to talk about the the National League recent form guide or the National League North recent form guide. We've got a very, very special guest and I'll get to that in a wee second. But first of all, we'll give a big shout out to our sponsors, Farley's Sports. Farley's Sports are a kit manufacturer who provide kits for their non-league specialists. And in their own words, they don't take part, they take over. You can find them on Facebook by searching Farley's Sports. That's F-A-R-R-E-L-L-Y-S Sports. And they're also on Twitter. Welcome to the National League party, my friends. Anyway, we're joined here tonight by an absolutely astounding guest. I'm buzzing to get him on. Been trying for weeks and he finally replied to my Instagram messages. So, I'm left, I'm left with absolutely no doubt you'll be familiar with this guy. He has played and shared a dressing room with Shearer, Solano, Stevie Fletcher and even Eve McElambe. This man, has played, <laughs> this man has played his trade for Newcastle, Hibernian in Scotland, Swindon Town, Yeovil Town, Gateshead, Hungerford Town and Wellston. And he also had the honour of representing his country, the Republic of Ireland. We'll talk at length about each chapter of his career and I'm sure he's got many funny stories for you. But without further ado, allow me to introduce Alan O'Brien. Alan, what's happening? How are you? You well? Not too bad, mate. I, I, I felt like a bit of a, a kind of discarded boyfriend or girlfriend there for a couple of weeks here, but no, I finally, finally got you on for Instagram messages, you know? I felt, I felt really bad, actually, when I saw it. That's why I gave you my number straight away. Well, you know, I mean... Is that a big <laughs> mistake, was it? Look at me, mate. Come on, mate. There's a reason I'm on the podcast and not, not the TV. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I felt like a discarded boyfriend slash girlfriend, but now I'm all good. I've got his number, so persistence pays off, guys. Anyway, Alan, how are you getting on? Yeah, all good. Keeping busy. Been doing a bit of training, keeping fit, trying to build a business, the usual things after a football career. Oh. <laughs> Short football career, I think. <laughs> oh, well, I think, um, I think what the listeners will find out tonight is that you actually had a very good career and you played with a lot of good players. And, of course, Alan is now well underway with his new venture in the automotive trade. How's that been going? It is very good. I've been out of it, well, when I stopped playing football, what, 27? 35 now, so what, eight years? Done my apprenticeship at Mercedes and now I've gone out as a broker. Well, I keep saying on my own, but it's not really on my own, as I discussed with you before. Uh, as a silent person in on it. Um, but uh, yeah, he'll be, uh, he's still playing, so he doesn't do it uh, full time. And he will remain anonymous until further notice. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to kill me and Andrew if we reveal who that is so, anyway like all of our guests um, we've had many on one of whom you actually played with Lee Clark and um, we, could, we just kind of wanted to roll it right back to the start and put it all began for you you're a Dublin boy yep. and I have one question for you Bohemians Shamrock Rovers St Pat's of Shelburne Talk to me. Who do you support? Oh it has to be Shamrock Rovers it's good my dad Shamrock Rovers so yeah Did you go to the games in that? Uh, only a few. I was never really a big fan of going to games, but we always had like football matches on, sort of Saturdays and that. And I was young, yeah, but went went to a couple actually, yeah, a few. But nice. it, uh, I mean, probably probably wasn't as good as it it got the sort of as the years went on, it got better and better. The Michael O'Neill years. 
<laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, there's uh, my dad was um, well, is a big Shamrock Rovers fan, so class. Yeah. So, what's your kind of first football memory? And were you always like the best player in your school, the school teams, and all that? I wasn't. I wasn't always first picked, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so I, was, I was kind of mid. Uh, no, I was. Yeah, I, was, I just. I just loved it. To be fair, I just played all the time. Had no real interest in education, which I wish I did now. <laughs> sort of after football, um, probably pay attention a little bit more to make everything else a bit easier now, but. Uh, yeah, just enjoyed it like every sort of boy growing up. Just used to play with my mates and was quite fortunate enough to be given a few opportunities to come over to the UK and play. It's funny because I've got a few relatives that I'm living in Ireland and actually live in Dublin. And um, at their school, football is not really a big thing. So I wanted to ask you a cultural question. Is, is it a misconception that Ireland is viewed as a not football-minded, and I use quotation marks for that, it's not a football-minded country? And did you find that was a hurdle to your development as a young player? Uh, no, I found it, I used to find it quite tiring, to be fair, because I used to have to play uh, Gaelic football as well. So on a Saturday, if I'd played the football, football in the morning, I'd then have to go and play a GAA game in the afternoon. And I, was just, I just remember being wrecked because you'd sort of have to and your, your schools and that wanted you to play the Irish sports. So you want to keep try to keep everyone, even though I loved it as well, to be fair to Gaelic football and the Gaelic football helped massively with my actual football as well it was like an extra training thing because you, in theory you can't actually play it like football it's probably just a little bit more aggressive when you can use your hands so uh, yeah it used to be more for not actually forced upon me because I enjoyed this but your school would press the Irish sports um, a little bit more than um, non-Irish sports you were in your mid-teens when Newcastle United wanted to sign you for the youth team. Can you remember how that move came about and how intimidating a prospect was it leaving your family in Dublin to then move to a whole new city in Newcastle? Um, to be honest, I never used to think about it. I used to just be kind of used to going over to the UK because as a youngster in Ireland, there's, there was loads of us used to go over and you used to be away at least once, twice a month. So it became sort of second nature. The only sort of real sort of eye-opener was when I went to do a fitness test with Newcastle. And I think after one lap, I was getting sick. And this was to judge, like, so when we were going over, just before we'd move over, they wanted to see where we were at. And I'm getting sick on the first lap of the, of the fitness test. And that was a real eye-opener because I thought, oh, my God, shit, I need to actually get my finger out here and start uh, training. But they gave me a really intense program. And my dad, I remember, used to do it with me very strictly until, until I did it. But it paid off massively because uh, I didn't end up getting sick when I was pre-season. I was okay just uh yeah it was uh, yeah, a bit of an eye-opener I suppose I was young moving away from family and but it was what I wanted to do I remember it's all I used to think about I used to everything I used to sort of wish for was just to play football professionally so I used to look at my mates obviously having to go to school and when they're going to school I was going to try and play football with who became really good friends of mine and did you how did it come about was there a Newcastle United scout based in Dublin at the time uh, yeah, there used to be scouts all, in all our games. We used to have because I went to Wolves when I was twelve, and I was meant to sign for them. Actually, they offered me a contract when I was 
2012, but it became illegal. I might be wrong with the dates, so don't quote me on it, but like a month later or two months later, it was becoming illegal for a 12-year-old to be able to sign. And I just remember I was meant to sign, and I was kind of devastated that um, my parents, because they obviously got advice from um, from a football agent who then became my actual agent anyway. So it was uh, the right advice uh, not to sign at the time. But I was just worried because I just thought, oh, well, what happens if nobody else comes in for me? I might turn crap. I might turn 13 and just <laughs> be crap and that would be my chance gone. So, uh, yeah, I just remember being worried about it. And then I did have a couple of bad seasons and thought, this is, uh, this is not going right. But... Luckily, I found a bit of form again. And with, when I was in the Irish team the whole way up as well, there used to be scouts coming the whole time. Mm. Well, in that, so in that New, Newcastle United youth team, you've moved across Newcastle, you're kind of creating a new life for yourself at a very young age. Um, what other players were in that youth team? And uh, how, like, mental youth team dressing room was it? <laughs> it was it was actually a really good youth team dressing because our youth team was shit hot we had the best team in the UK and we proved it by winning the under 17s league that season we beat everyone beat Man U we beat Arsenal we were class and it was just a laugh really we were we were young we were um, enjoying life a few of them actually enjoyed it a little bit more than me I didn't uh, start drinking it until I was like 18 probably 19 even so they used to go out and I'd hear their stories a little bit more um, about it but they were fairly wild but then we, we had a really strict it was Alan Irvine was our manager and he was so strict so you couldn't you couldn't actually do anything because you're just training all the time and you were young and you were so scared that if you messed up with him you would be honest you'd feel like he'd kill you but uh, yeah just the usual so I think the things have changed now haven't they like I don't think the youngsters have to do what we had to do with the boot room things and stuff like that and hard education, but game and the world is changing. So, Would you change it for anything though? Like, I mean, given that kind of really kind of hard education, the grounding you refer to there, like, um, do you set you up for the kind of pitfalls of what your career then was and the kind of how hard life can be? Yeah, 100%. They were... They were a necessity, I'd say, everything. Like, you feel, I'm sure everyone rambles on about everyone's going too soft now and etc but yeah you just you had to you used to have to learn your kind of pecking order nearly respect your elders you used to have to clean boots and stuff like that and if they weren't clean you'd you'd get in trouble I think you just it was just the thing to build up that when you did get to the first team that's what all that hard work cleaning their boots looking after them making sure that anything getting <laughs> the boot room treatment etc is uh, it builds up to it and it makes you really appreciate it when you actually sort of get there that you think yeah, it was worth it. Clean my shoes. Who's that in profession? <laughs> what kind of first team stars boots did you clean? Um, whose boots were was I on? I wasn't very good at it, to be fair. He used to always sort of give out to me because there used to be two of us, so we used to come to an agreement. I'm going to who was the boot boy. Was, I, I want to say Shearer, but I might be lying, so I don't want to say it for definite. I can just say it anyway. You won't be able to prove me any different, will you? I don't think so, mate. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that one then. <laughs> I mean, that's that, that's quite the kind of. Um, you, you spoke about the kind of hard education. I mean, but you know, like really give out to you. With the, a lot of senior boys give out to you when you're training them, them in the first team because obviously um, you were part of the team that beat my United five two in the under seventeen championship final. Um, you must have loved being part of that team. Yeah, I did love being part of it. I said, you've actually had, obviously you said you had Lee Clark on. He was one of the ones who gave me one of the most 
stern voices. I thought he was actually going to leather me, to be fair. Uh, <laughs> a reserve game at halftime because I wasn't tracking back. And obviously he was a pro. He had, he had done everything. He had done it all when he was there. So he was a player that you really look up to. And on the pitch, he was, yeah, very intense and strict and wouldn't take anything. Like, obviously, everything I'm saying is, was in a good way. But I remember getting into the changes room and we were like youngsters just after we'd won the 17s league so maybe we thought we were better than we were and we oh, I just remember I wasn't running around enough and honestly he went through all of us just yeah so I, I don't know if they still probably do that but you need the kind of experienced guys in there to be able to sort of tell you that look you haven't done, made it you haven't done basically in his words fuck all at the time so I do yeah. apologize about the language but that's they were the words used so uh yeah it was one of them and it made me really think i remember going home and i was raging with how he had spoken and i just thought you know what he was actually right i said i didn't do it and after that i just remember in my head just thinking no matter what you do just run make sure you, you run so then he can never <laughs> want to kill us all again but yeah it, it sort of led us to a sort of in our heads thinking we might have been better than we were because when we used to train against first team we'd take it serious they wouldn't and we might like beat them and we'd be thinking, well, we're better than them. But obviously it wasn't. It was training. They don't want to get injured. We're trying to prove a point. And uh, I think it probably led a lot of us to think we were probably better than we were. So it was good to have people like Lee and the older, experienced guys actually educating us and keeping us realising that you're nowhere near it, really. I mean, it's interesting because like, uh, you obviously were clearly gaining good momentum. You're in that um, under-17s. Championship final, we beat Man United 5-2. Yeah. Um, then, of course, you had a very unfortunate incident on the training ground where you um, involved in a collision and you broke your leg. Um, can you talk to me about that and how just how difficult that period of your life was? Yeah, I remember I came back and I was when I was at Newcastle, I really, I really looked after myself fitness-wise. I said I used to go home. Like I used to I not really drink or anything, so I'd go home for a pre-season and I'd stay fit. And I came back and I was flying. I just remember ball and being knocked in behind went to cross it and Craig Baxter went to stop my cross but I obviously got there first and I, I he just hit my ankle and person on the halfway line said they heard a crack and I was just like oh my god that was so sore and then I went to get up and I couldn't put in I just got the sharpest pain through it and I just remember Tommy Craig shouting to me come on and then he, he said something like big soft pansy or something like that <laughs> so he's basically saying I was milking and I was thinking shit maybe I am milking it a bit so come on <laughs> and I went to get up and then I honestly couldn't and then he realised obviously and he was Tommy Craig was brilliant he was uh, just said obviously <laughs> go get it sorted and I realised that I was, I was very fortunate I just actually signed an extension to my contract so that was a bit more um He's a, put me in more at peace with my mind to think, try to get back a little bit better. Yeah. Tommy Craig was your assistant, assistant manager at Hibs, wasn't he? Yeah, Tommy Craig was actually the one that uh, said to me to sort of come to Hibs. He uh, spoke to me. I really, I really liked Tommy. I liked how he trained in that. And um, he made me sort of think, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where, where I want to be when... But he was dead right. I probably did need this, but then at the time I was offered a contract at Newcastle, which I probably should have stayed. Looking back at it in hindsight, I should have stayed. And uh, because injuries, the way injuries happened, I would have actually got a proper run out, and I was very settled there. So um, it probably would have suited me a little bit better. 
Interesting. Um, you were then sent out on loan to Carlisle. Um, what was that kind of first experience of men's football like? <laughs> I hated it. I absolutely hated it because I remember going from, obviously, Newcastle, your kit, everything laid out, to going into, obviously, the Car- like Carlisle's a great setup as, as well, but compared to Newcastle, which is all I was used to going there and they'd hand you your kit and you'd have to wash it, you'd take it home with you. And I was thinking, what the hell is this? And then the training ground like was felt like it was on like a school park. And I was honestly thinking in my head, going, shit, I need to really get my head together. I said, I don't want to play in this league. <laughs> I want to play them. <laughs> my first game I scored and I thought, oh, this is easy. But I hardly played even after that. I just used to get kicked all over. And I just remember going back and just thinking, I need to work so hard because I just don't want to play in in that, that <laughs> league. I just wasn't built for it. I really wasn't. I was just, yeah, so... Uh, when I went back, I was quite fortunate that Zunes actually, I don't think he was happy with, it was it Albert Luque was playing Aye. at the time, I think he wasn't really happy with how he was doing, so he gave me a little run out and yeah, I'd, I'd done well on the run out and obviously after that, he was, uh, I wasn't sent out on loan again, thankfully. Aye. I, we'll come to the likes of Luque, Doff, Bellamy, here in a little bit, Bench and Carlisle. I used to play football as well, and one of the teams we played was in Carlisle. I used to fucking hate going to Carlisle, man. What a <laughs> shit hole, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it's that, because it's, yeah, but it used to be, I used to hate that drive over. We used to car there, and I just remember just hating my life on that drive the whole way over and the whole way back and thinking, like, I was only for a month as well. I swear I thought I was there for life. I was just absolutely devastated every day training. I think the gaffer, was it Simo at the time, I think was there. I, I was going to ask you who gaffer was. Yeah, Simo was there and he must have seen it in me because I just, I probably didn't hide it well, but I was just thinking, oh my God, just get me out of here. I think I had like a year and a half left in my Newcastle contract. I was thinking, I'll just sit, I'll sit in, New- in the training ground instead. Absolutely devastating when it came up to I was. Honestly, it was a lot. It was, and it was only 45 now. It was probably an hour across whatever that road is from Newcastle to Carlisle, but I used to feel like it was, yeah, I had to drive around the world. I hated it, yeah. <laughs> Well, that also gave a good grounding. So then, obviously, you could then go back to Newcastle. And um, what was it like training with international, like proven international stars like Albert Luque, like Damien Duff, like uh, Alan Shearer, Craig Bellamy, Nobby Solano, those kind of guys? Was it not like, I've made it here? Did you get a real kind of feeling of kind of grandiosity when you were training with those boys? You know what? I actually appreciate it more now when I look back on it than at the time. At the time, I was just, I was probably very blase about it and thought, oh, this is, this is all I'm kind of used to. This is what I'll be doing for life. But then, as you move around different clubs, you actually look back and you think, geez, I really took it for granted and I wish I'd sort of taken it all all in. But they, they didn't let you train bad or anything. They really didn't. That's why when Bell, like Bellamy used to get a lot of grief and he gets a little bit of grief I hear now with when he talks about youths. But he was just, he was harsh, but it was such, it was a good harsh. He'd like, he'd nearly wring you up by your neck if you hadn't done something. And you used to be just scared and wanting to sort of work harder for them. All, all of them used to bring the level of training up. When Bellamy used to get sent because he had a few fallouts, as he did probably with everyone. Um, he, when he used to come over to training with us, he was by far, the, he was one of the best trainers I've ever seen. He's probably one of the best players I've actually seen in training and in games, actually. He was so good. And he, he he's training with... I think if he was training with the under 12, as he trained the same, he just demanded such a high kind of intensity and standard. Like you're at a premiership team, this is what you should be doing. And if you're not, get practicing kind of thing. So uh, they, they used to bring your standards up. 
Yeah. <clears throat> now he's obviously at Anderlecht doing really well as a coach. Um, were you there when he fell out with Sunus? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was there. I was, in the, I was actually in the meeting. So I was. Because I remember being like, what was I? 19? Yeah, I was probably 19-year-old. Obviously hiding at the back, like I used to always do, like sort of scared of my shadow to talk. And I just remember kicking off with Bellamy because Bellamy actually got me into sort of training in the gym because I used to see him lifting and that. And I used to think, shit, if Bellamy's doing, obviously I'd see him in training and see how sharp he is. And he'd give me advice all the time because I, I know I was quick, but he used to tell me you need to be quicker over 10 yards than over 50 and he'd, he'd really help but I saw him like lifting in the gym and doing boxing I thought he can actually handle himself he used to be an ox like under he's, he was small but he was an absolute ox and I thought and then Tunes obviously is what he is <laughs> he's not a guy you'd ever mess with <laughs> and just the two of them just basically stood up right let's go and two of them were, were up for it and yeah it, I mean, it, got, it got stopped before I, mean, I got into the gym they were going to go in and fight it out in the gym honestly I. Yeah, 100%. Well, I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> That's crazy. I mean, like, Bell- Bellamy then came, came on with Celtic, and I, I used to watch him every week, and he was ripping up by us because we just lost Larson. And then, obviously, yeah. um, Bellamy then came in. Honestly, we, we, we should have signed that boy. Um, really good player. Yeah. But he, he used to tell stories about Celtic dressing rooms, and that was still a, He thought he had a, a kind of really kind of, I suppose, like a, like a patriarchal kind of dressing room, like so, Sutton, sorry, <laughs> like in Newcastle. And then with Celtic, it was still an absolute nutters like Sutton Hearts and Larson yeah. do you know what I mean like uh, so he, he, he talks about <laughs> the podcast actually but I mean I think he was a really underrated player do you think that as well? I 100% think it I said when I chat to anyone now I said he's yeah out of all of them like obviously there was great names he like he's obviously not sort of on goal scoring thing as sheer and that but he was a different player but he in my opinion he was he was my favourite I just, if I looked at him and I thought I could get anywhere near kind of what he does, I would have been very, very happy on the pitch, like to be able to do anywhere. I just love He was exciting when he used to get on the ball. He was just so quick and sharp and like aggressive. He was just, yeah. I mean, obviously, like, yeah, that was a season where, um, um, somebody's name, sort of Lee, Lee Boyan and Kieran Dyer had an on pitch scuffle. I mean, on the, from the outside looking in, it looked like it was a bit of kind of dressing room discord growing at the time. Was the dressing yeah. room up quite high at the time? Or was, would you just go out in that? Would you socialise together? Uh, yeah, we would, it would be, be done in groups a little bit. So it was like it was, everyone had their kind of, their groups. We were caught in a class as the young guys that went out all the time with anyone who'd who'd come out and be our friend <laughs> but then the older guys uh, they they um, sort of kept to their grooves but there was always like team nights out and stuff like that and to be honest that's the thing in the changer it ended like after that sorry on the pitch ended like so sort of soon after everything was blown out of proportion on us both of them are great guys and like Dyer was one of the ones when I did leave he actually rang me and wish me the best. Yeah, he did. He's a really good guy. So there's, there's a few of them mm-hmm. in there were top, top guys that you might not think because the way things portrayed them on uh, the outskirts. But that team, uh, that team that we had was so good and they probably could, should have achieved a bit more than the, I'd say than we did, but it was more them, more than they did. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I was just part of us and very, for, very fortunate to come on in some games now and again. Don't put yourself down, big man. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I've got, I've got a real kind of bone chunk for football Mavericks, and I, no one falls into this category more than Emery. What kind of player was he? How, how good was he, really? Emery. Emery was brilliant. Uh, he was just, yeah, he was low centre of gravity. 
Yeah, he, he was great. I think he must have been the first name on the team sheet every week. He was the one person that you think he'll play no matter what. And he is the main sort of guy in training as well. He was, he was probably a bit more laid back, actually, in training. But then in the games, he'd, he'd give it everything. And ability-wise, if you look at, the, you look at the, the squad that we have there, so as you're naming players out, they're just coming back into my mind. I was like, he's on ability alone. There was so many. Emre was, he was a really good guy off the pitch as well. Really friendly and just nice. They, they were all, we, us as youngsters when we were there, we were very, very fortunate because they looked after us. And uh, if we needed anything or we were, you know, were going through a bad patch, they'd pull you to the side and tell you what to do and nearly say to stay out with them and practice. It was a re- really good atmosphere. Yeah. You, you, you obviously made your first team debut against Mansfield coming on for Albert Lucky. What was going through your head and how mental was the atmosphere as she equaled Jackie Milburn's record not long before you came on? <laughs> really? <laughs> Didn't even know that until you said that. <laughs> the atmosphere at St James is, is always, always like different levels. It's, the, it's sort of a soft spot in my heart um, all the time now. I just want to see them do well. I wish they were doing better, to be fair. But um, uh, yeah, just coming on was just a, a special moment. It was one of them things that you thought this is all I've waited for. And you know what? The, the managers and that were actually really good because a load of us youngsters, some of like they gave everyone a little run out, and then it was up to you if you showed a kind of glimmer of that you've got something. Would then come to because I think then the Premiership game was the week after against Fulham, Fulham away I think came and I was on the bench for that again and then like it was I think we had half an hour left and he gave me the call up to come on for Luke again. He used to used to hammer Luke like I'd be half. I honestly used to hammer him because I remember I was coming back actually from uh, uh, obviously probably a hamstring tear. No one know my history and I was with the physio and Luke had just come in just signed and like all I'd heard was he was rapid he's like amazing left foot everything they're like oh Alan do you mind if he does uh, your rehab with you because I was trying to get up to full speed so I could sprint again and he joined in with me <clears throat> and I was like thinking oh shit he's going to be rapid and I'm struggling with a hamstring here I'm going to look and obviously he was my comp- new kind of competition left wing and I was thinking in my head I was like shit so we started running and I could see him and I was like kind of going three quarter pace and like kind of breezing along and I kept looking to my side and I could see him and he was really struggling <laughs> struggling to run to run quick and I was thinking this guy must be just the wrong guy but like I was because of who he was I was actually scared to go any quicker so I just ended up like going three quarter pace along but yeah when he came he just I don't know if he was fit or what but he didn't look like like it was described he was coming but he was such a good guy as well he's really really same guy and I felt actually a little bit sorry for him because he got hammered but on a positive note I knew when he'd be starting he wouldn't be finishing the game 100% <laughs> so I just knew in my head I was thinking yeah I'll probably come on here if if uh, we're losing or something and try to get something because I remember when he first signed he was a big bunny signing and um, he, he, he did cut a lot of flack like see when he came from I think it was Deportivo La Coruña I came from That's um, it. Yeah. It's, it's some record his building was huge and um, it came with such a big reputation why did I get that work out for him just the was it kind of in a football environment in England, just he didn't really get suited to the style. Probably, if you, if you don't set, like I used to not think, I used to not think, probably hard looking from the outside in, uh, I used to not think about it, but if you don't settle there and you don't feel comfortable, like if you get off to a bad start, I know this, geez, <laughs> from when I went to Hibs, if you get off to a bad start, you're, you're on the back foot, your confidence goes, 
I know from dealing with it, like you feel like you can't do anything when one minute you feel like you're flying and sort of king king of the world, and then next minute you're feeling like your boots are on the wrong feet. So, <laughs> so I do kind of feel I do kind of feel feel for him, but he showed glimpses in training that his left foot was special, but. I just don't think he showed us anywhere near enough whether the weather, like Newcastle used to be cold and maybe just thought, what am I actually doing here? Fuck that shit. <laughs> I'm yeah, going to speed exactly. on <laughs> <laughs> Where did he go after? Do you know? Tom, do you know where he went? Oh, uh, top of my head. Um, I want to say oh, Valencia for some reason, but I just off the top of my head, I can't quite remember. Because uh, Tom's a Newcastle fan, so he should be able to tell you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> No, it was Ajax. Oh, so I'll Ajax, that's what it was. Ajax, wow. Yeah, I wish I had his agent, actually. <laughs> I mean, uh, they yeah. used to they used to actually joke about it. They used to, they used to, the joke used to be we signed his brother. <laughs> so, <laughs> so again, he was, a, he was another good guy. Yeah, he was a, he was a really good guy. So, so it's a bit harsh talking. He obviously went through a hard time. I don't, I don't, I don't, I feel like he doesn't listen to this podcast. I so think you probably, you could be right. He probably never wants to return to England actually after what happened here. So he's got a restraining order against his yeah. own in England, man. <laughs> I think Newcastle took that restriction out actually. <laughs> so, really, so you then came off the bench, um, as you were saying, in Sunus's last three Premier League games, one was against Fulham, Blackburn, then Man City. Um, they unfortunately all ended in defeats. Um, yeah. How tough was it as a youngster coming into a side that was not getting results with the manager? And obviously, he was under severe pressure at that point, and it eventually culminated in him losing his job. How hard was that? You know what? It wasn't hard because he was under the most pressure that he could be under as a manager. He knew them last three games, basically. He would have known, as every manager does. My time is coming up here. I'm what a youngster, 19-year-old. He's got all these experienced guys and he's actually putting me on to try to like sort of save him. So it made it made me kind of made me kind of think he actually obviously rates me very highly here. And thus uh when I did come on, I actually done well because he'd pulled me after the game and sort of say, you've done really well. Well done. The lads would all come up to me after the game. And I know it was harsh because if I think if he had stayed, I would have probably got more. He would he would have started me. I, I know he would have. And then there was a change of manager. The new manager fancied somebody else for a period of time. So it felt like I'd actually had to take a few steps back to try to get back to where I was under Sunes. Like I knew with Sunes, if, if we were losing, I'd be coming on. And he'd just tell me, go run. He said, they'd be shit scared of you. Knock it by them. Like he'd name the defender, whoever it was, just say, knock it. So when I came on against City, I remember just knocking it and just flying and then, like he he was he he was really good, and I think if he had ended up staying, I probably would have played uh, a little bit more and not had to wait a period of time to guess uh, another batch of games going kind of in. I mean, how, obviously you're trying you've got Newcastle to try and kind of better your own career to improve as a player. Can you really improve as a player when you've got Titus Bramble to to, to train against, man? <laughs> Big T, honestly, he's such an underrated player. Oh, really? I promise you. I promise you. As Anyone, Fletch, who's played with him at Sunderland, ask him. He's, he's, he was very underrated. He was a player. He was quick, strong. I used to hate going up against him because he was a big guy. He looked like he probably looked overweight, but he wasn't. And I mean, if you didn't knock it way past him, you weren't getting around him. And he used to just bully you, just bully you. You couldn't get around him. 
So I used to hate it. He was big, strong, good, in, a good ping on him. I know he, he did get a lot of abuse, and I, I know that he knows that as well because he, he's actually off the pitch. He's one of the, the best guys ever. Oh, is he? Yeah, he is. He's such such a sound bloke. See, he's not going to come after me. I can't believe I just came after him. I now. think, <laughs> and you've told me where you live as well, so I'm going to just... He's actually probably not too far from you, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, don't say that. I, was... I think he's at Ipswich. Is he at Ipswich, youngsters, I think? Do you know what I thought? I think he's the best defender on Newcastle I've had a long, long time. And uh, tell you, so if you're listening, son, um, <laughs> meet me for a coffee, but I'll make it no drink, right? <laughs> Great defender. What a player. <laughs> so, I'm so glad you cleared that up. <laughs> <laughs> so before I get myself into male trouble, thanks to Alan O'Brien, as um, uh, was in sacked, unfortunately, um, yep. and Glenn Roder was appointed caretaker manager. Now, you must have been thinking that's brilliant because, like, he was promoted from being youth development manager, and you knew him from being in the youth squad, didn't you? Uh, I did, yeah, but that wasn't a positive really for me because he had brought another youngster up, uh, Matty Patterson, who I thought he's going to put it, which he ended up did. He ended up putting him before me in a lot of games and sort of games I should have been involved in for how I was playing in the reserves and that uh, I, I was flying at the time and it was it was a bit of a knock to confidence but it's probably a bit of football it makes you obviously a better person you might feel that you deserve something better and it's not up to you it's up to the manager so at the time he obviously thought I wasn't ready and somebody else was and in terms of that like um, we just not having no other at all when he first came in then? Or like was it just not a, really, a relationship there that you had with Tommy Craig and Alan Irvine or whatever? Yeah, it was, a, it was a different one with Tommy and Al. I just felt like they were really invested in you as as a player. Like Tommy Craig, jeez, he said no you and demand stuff and really talk to you when you're going through a bad patch and that, like not hammer you after a game, maybe talk to you to why it's it's happening get you in and I mean Tommy used to get me in before he had me actually honestly before training I'd be in we started training at what half ten half nine I'd be in the indoor thing practicing crossing same with Alan Irvine and then after training get in he'd make you practice shooting and it became just a normal thing so before training you'd be practicing for an hour and then after training you'd practice for an hour and Tommy just drilled that into you it was like they invested into you and I just felt with Roder that uh, he didn't put the same thing in he'd more just say you don't do that and you don't do that and not come up with a plan to make you kind of do it and make you improve and let you show them mm-hmm. oh, but then but it ended up you'd have to play me in a game so <laughs> exactly man you can't leave it you can't leave it the cream of the crop but like <laughs> I, I always found like whenever you look at Glenn Roder it looked like a demon head master man that just hated his job yeah. like, it, it, it just didn't look like a football manager to me the the rotor thing was just it was a different atmosphere it was completely different it was probably exactly how you kind of described it it was yeah it was like the enjoyment wasn't there which is one of the reasons that I thought in my head I want I might go because at the time like my contract was coming up for renewal and Newcastle had told me obviously I'd, I'd known that they wanted to sign me because I was in the Irish I was in the Irish team yeah I was coming on and, and doing well so I knew that they wanted to signed me but the deal that they offered me probably wasn't where I thought it might be mm-hmm. and I just I saw that probably as a little bit more disrespect than than anything but and it was, I think it was only for a year I think it was and I just thought you know I definitely deserve a couple of years just to show but it might have been the gaffer saying do it on a yearly basis maybe try keep me kind of hungry I don't know but uh, yeah it made me think that I wasn't highly thought after and that if there was an injury, I'd probably be down to third choice. 
but it ended up Duffer got injured I think the next season and then Matty played a hell of a lot of games which I probably would have played <coughs> but that's part of part and parcel of it isn't it Ah, well, Glenn wrote all that very, very long as a manager, didn't he? Anyway, so <laughs> now, we, now we know why, man. So <laughs> he upset me. <laughs> How your feelings today, Alan? He eh? did, he did, yeah. <laughs> didn't think you were going to bring that up today, actually. I might cry for a little bit. <laughs> you, no one, you just can't see us, right? But Alan's reached for his Kleenex. He's going to wipe away his tears. Do you know what I mean? I can, we I can know. see it. He'll lie to you and say it's not happening, but it's happening. <laughs> You'll hear a pause and my voice will go a bit croaky. <laughs> Tom, stop cutting onions, big man. <laughs> so you were actually part of the squad for the Intertotal and UEFA Cup games. Um, yep. Are there any good stories from going away with the squad for European games? No, not really. So like everyone thinks this thing, but when you're away, like you've obviously you got a game and say we just leave on the well what day would it be the game would be say on a Thursday you'd leave on a Tuesday you'd then get there you'd train you'd have to train you'd go to the stadium train and then you'd have the game and then you're straight back you're on the flight out that night so there's there's nothing really you can do like there's no going out sort of partying etc like that it was just it was all just football you just go away you play football the only the best bit was you'd go for a coffee and just sort of sit and relax and take in the, the scenes of a couple of areas. But there was, yeah, on away trips, there was never sort of anything. It sounds really boring. Like, I mean, I think the way you, the way you just describe it there, it sounds like um, people have this kind of warped view of it where like, they think, like, oh, you go to Berlin, half of Berlin away, whatever it is, or by Munich away, and it's like, oh my God, it's going to be so good, man. I'm going to go out every night. It's like you're there for two days or a night sometimes. Yeah. You're in a hotel the whole time. Is that what it's really like? Yeah, it is hundred percent like that. I said it's even worse now. Like it's even worse now. I said there's, if you if you talk when you talk to anyone now that plays, nobody drinks or anything. They go out very rarely. Probably at Christmas time they'll go out. But even when I was playing, there wasn't. You, you couldn't like be going out and then have a game in like two days. I said I've done that once when I was a young, like as a youth player, not a, a reserve player. And I remember I actually came on in a game. Uh, it was forty eight. It was two days. So I think I went out on the Thursday. And the game was the Saturday. I wasn't even meant to be playing, but someone got injured. I was called in. It was actually for the first team, I lie. It was against Watford away. I think it was the last game of the season. It was under Nigel Pearson. Aye. Yeah, and I just remember in my head, I'd gone out on the Thursday, told I wasn't in the squad. So I was fine. Right, let's go out Thursday. Obviously, I had a few drinks. And then on the Saturday, I think it was must be just into the second half, and they had some rapid right winger who was causing carnage. And I remember coming on and Nigel going, Al, you can keep up with him there. And I just remember, oh, fucking hell, don't think I can. <laughs> I'll never forget chasing him back in my head. And I felt so horrific. Like I just, yeah, felt like, yeah, like I was going to get sick. And that. And this, that was a premiership game. And it was because I went out Thursday, even though I wasn't even meant to be in the squad, things can change and you, you were, and it was just one of them. You, you can't do it. You can't drink, really. I said, if you're going to drink, it would be on the, the Saturday night and you wouldn't have a game for like next Saturday but even they, they don't do that now just because of all this the sports science and stuff like that will show that you're not recovered and they monitor check your urine and stuff before training so they know what, what you've been doing Did Nigel Pearson say anything to you after that game at Vickery Road? No Nigel was good Nigel was really really good as well but he's another one that you wouldn't mess with so they're all good because you wouldn't mess with them mm. yeah but he's like an absolute unit as well mm-hmm. he used to be coming in the gym and honestly he was just like a beast and you're just like, oh my god, I never want to annoy him. He just looked like one of them, like he'd just eat you if he wanted to. He still does. Mm. Yeah, he does. Yeah, so he's just not one of them you'd annoy. So uh, obviously, when when you're a youngster and that, you there's never anything 
sort of everyone just looks scary to you and you do as they say but he was good again he brought me uh, all these guys they brought me on that's probably why they all got sacked to be fair <laughs> <laughs> they kept bringing me on <laughs> because of Alan O'Brien yeah. <laughs> I think that actually could be a curse because if you look back and any managers <laughs> that I've played under I think everyone has got the sack <laughs> We're going to Paul Hart in a wee minute, right? <laughs> like, oh, jeez, yeah. Talking about getting the sack, yeah. <laughs> I've got a funny story I want you to ask about him. Si- I'm mad for Sai Ferry's story in podcast at Open Goal. And oh, the, story she- the story she tells, but um, we'll get to us winning town in a wee bit. But, yeah. Uh, before I want to go on uh, and talk about Hibs, uh, but before, before that, I want to talk about your kind of failed moves to Wolves and Norwich. Why did they fail? Um, Newcastle wouldn't let me go. Really? Yeah, Newcastle would not let me go. Uh, one of them was, I think Wolves was the loan move in January. Agent rang me up, said Wolves are very keen on you. At the time, I felt great. Like, what, what I think, they, were they champ? They would have been championship. And in my head, I was just thought, championship, yeah, Wolves. I, I'd been to Wolves when I was a youngster, when I was 12. And they'd been to, we must have had, like, I might have had an Ireland 21s game. And just played well, and I knew they were there. And he said, "So they want you." And Newcastle just reject. It was, it was actually after that because was that around the time when I was came back from Carlisle? So I just remember, I just yeah, it was. And luckily, I'd actually found form. Thank God. And thought, <laughs> right, this is better than going back to fucking Car- Carlisle across that thing and having to wash my, my kit and train at the schoolyard or wherever it was that they were training at the time. Carlisle obviously now is a lot better than when I was there so I'm not having a dig at Carlisle <laughs> just at the time when I was there the pitch was a school pitch and wasn't good where they trained so uh, yeah I just remember Newcastle put a, a block on us and that was one of the reasons why I started actually getting into the first team they said no we want to actually start using them so I started getting there pulled into the first team squad and getting on the bench and then sort of coming on, etc. Lee Clark was saying about, um, um, obviously you played Michael Owen and you actually came on for Michael Owen that time at Vicarage Road. Um, Lee Clark was saying he used to hang about with Michael Owen and whenever uh, Michael Owen could, he'd hire his like personal pilot for his helicopter to like, after a night out, like <coughs> from Newcastle Airport, flying back to Wales where he lived. Like, <laughs> did you ever see anything like that with him? Was he a pure big time kind of guy or was he? No, he wasn't big time at all, but like just, he had his chopper that would land at the training ground and stuff like that. He'd bring in his own physio all the time. So you'd have, but yeah, yeah I, I think he had to, because of his, ham, his issue with his hamstrings, he, he obviously found somebody that it worked and he felt that he felt confident in him. So obviously when you're a big hitter like him and you can fly, fly around in your chopper, but you see as a guy, he was just sound, he was quiet. Like he, he was more one of the more quiet guys, but never came across kind of big time in any kind of way. Just used to fly around in his chopper everywhere. I mean, is that a euphemism for something else there? Are we still talking about helicopters here, mate? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the other thing. I used to not see him enough for that. <laughs> He's still in the training movie, so I... I mean, last couple of points on Newcastle. And, um, obviously, Sam Ardice was then appointed manager that summer, and you didn't sign a contract. Why was that? He never rang me. Seriously, is that why? Never rang me, yeah. I was... I was actually, where was I? I was away somewhere. And I just remember I was training and I was just thinking in my head, I was like, Gaffer hasn't rang me. And I said to my agent, I was like, he doesn't even know who I am. I was like, my contract's up. Like if I'm a manager going in any business now and there's people leaving, you'd find out who they are, their pros and cons, and you'd make contact with them. 
and he never gave me the respect. And then I had the other, on the other hand, I had Tommy Craig ringing me nonstop when I was away, asking me what I was doing, <laughs> telling me he'll obviously keep on my development. So I just saw that and I thought, well, I've got one guy who's um, offering me uh, to help, actually help me as an individual. The only thing was the contract was worse. So I was going to be taking less than Newcastle were offering, but it was with someone. So I just thought in my head, I was like, I felt the right thing to do. But in hindsight, I would have looked back and said, no, I should have gone into training with Newcastle. And then even got, I could have got loaned out to Tommy, which probably would have been a better kind of move because I would have been able to suss out the gaffer if he actually wanted me. But then it ended up that he actually he, he played people. Mm-hmm. Allardyce did. It was a different regime. And different sort of training. I think he brings in, he brings in like an empire, doesn't he? With him, he brings in like staff for staff, and it's just uh, yeah. So, but it's one of them things. You, you look back on it and just think should have done that, but it makes you realise now that to really think about some of your actions before you do it. Is that a source of regret for you that you left Newcastle in the way you did? <laughs> when when people like you bring it up, yeah, it's the one time that it uh, keeps coming back and makes me very upset. <laughs> oh, no, no, to be to be honest, I wasn't joking. Uh, it, it 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 is one of the things that when I look back on it, it is one of my regrets, one hundred percent. I didn't listen to my agent at the time, and I wow. should have listened to him. I do know Sir Big Sam uh, listens to the podcast, and he's going to be smiling or crying at this bit of news. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Does he listen to? Because tell him I'm actually getting fit again, and I could maybe make a comeback. <laughs> mate, when he when he takes a firefighting job at West Brom in January, mate, I'll be sure to let him know that you're looking. Mate, please do, please do. I'll I'll go for a jog after this, and I'll send you my times. <laughs> Sell the wee car as well, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've got more a chance of doing that actually. <laughs> so are they kind of happier times? Um, you moved to the Promised Land, which is um, also known as Scotland, and. Yeah. The move to Hibs, you mentioned Tommy Craig, but how did that move actually come about? Tommy Craig. Tommy Craig uh, basically orchestrated this, said, <clears throat> I need to obviously reject the contract at Newcastle first, because if Newcastle, I think actually Hibs had to give them something anyway because they did my development. Um, but I just, I said to Newcastle, I'll have to reject. I want to go, blah, 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 and do that. Tommy Craig said to me what they can do and the plan and went up, saw the place, met John Collins. Uh, yeah, realised that he liked fitness as well. And Passing, moving, tempo. Passing, moving, yeah. tempo. <laughs> and that he played, for, he played for a couple of good teams as well. So, yeah, um, it, it was, it felt, it felt good at the time. Went up to Edinburgh, it was something different. And yeah, I knew training where Tommy would be good intensity, etc. as well. And then, yeah, went from there. So I think the year before you joined, um, you joined in the summer, didn't you? Yeah, I joined the season before, uh, season after they'd won the cup again. What I said to you about goes downhill when I signed. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. They won the League Cup and uh, Scott Brown had just left, I think, when you joined. And then yeah. Kevin, Kevin Thompson a few years and um, months before that. Um, that was a kind of breakup of a very, very kind of promising. And Ivan Sproul as well, the three of them. To this day, I've never seen a player faster than him. Yeah, he was He's, a joke with his pace. Yeah. He was. Uh, he was the one I was actually coming in to replace. Oh, okay. I so know that. that was, <laughs> yeah, went really well. <laughs> I had the, I had the same impact. I had the same impact <laughs> as him. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll say, I'm just looking at because I was doing a bit of research earlier on. 
Um, I remember you quite well because I, I, I used to go to Celtic games a lot when I lived yeah. in Glasgow. And um, there was massive personalities in that dressing room. You had the likes of Fletch, obviously, Ben Jaloon, Boozala and Zamama, but like, proper players. Like, who are the big personalities in that dressing room? And would the boys go out a lot in Edinburgh? Yeah, we used to go out. Me and, me and Fletch would go out... Jonah at the back, he was good. Rob Jones, yeah, Rob Jones, a really good guy as well. He used to live around the corner from, but he was like, he wasn't like an age terms, but he was like our our dad because we were obviously quite young and fucking clueless, I'd say. Actually, looking back now, and he'd be always the one like shaking his head. Some of the stuff that we, geez, that we did, like, like just uh, even after training and stuff, just stupid stuff, like you know, I, I yeah, it was just I'll just say it was just me. Like buying a motorbike when I was there, like going out and practicing like around my street on a night. Like I was playing professional football and I'm like on on like a motorbike and Joan would be like, "Oh, what the hell are you doing?" And it was someone like that that actually made me think, "Jeez, I said I need to uh, <laughs> I need to calm down a little bit and do." But we, yeah, we're a few of us were a little bit mad with things like like that. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Fletch um, on one of his podcasts was saying that he, when he was like kind of coming through Hibs, he lived in a uni, like in the student halls uh, yeah. of Edinburgh or something like that. Um, I'm assuming you were a bit older for that, but like, yeah. um, like what was it like when we based in the city centre of Edinburgh? I was in, was it Lost Wade? Lost Wade, just, just outside um, the centre, so it was, it was an easy trek in. It was actually not far from the training ground, which is why I, um, why I sort of lived there, but it was like, what, you'd be getting the centre in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's, great, it's a great city, isn't it? Like it's it's lively and it was yeah, it was good fun. So I didn't realise actually how sort of passionate they were were up there. I thought like uh, Newcastle because Newcastle in my head are probably still the most passionate fans, but up in Scotland they are so extremely passionate. As you're seeing actually on the probably on the news at the minute, <laughs> the fans are so passionate. I probably didn't realise that at the time. I thought I oh, know they. Because in my head they weren't like sort of massive club hibs and that I was thinking I had to be a bit more chilled, but it wasn't. They were <laughs> so intense. Yeah, of course. And like, but like I say, I mean, of course you don't know much about them. They're not perceived as to be the kind of biggest club in it, and and from an English prism. Um, but the likes of Zamama, Boozle, and Benjamin Fletch, he had some some team. They just won the league cup. Um, how good was that team, and how and how the highest standard was the training sessions? The training sessions were brilliant. I said Boozy was a joke how good he was just on the ball. I said it's, yeah. I just remember him he used to always have his knee bandage knee band knee bandages on all the time and I used to be thinking, Oh, he must be he must be in bits. But then when he'd get the ball he was just he was a forest like 'cause it would Tommy Craig sessions, short sharp, two touch. Like he used to hate Zamama actually, because Zamama used to want to take a million touches, but Zamama was so good on the ball and dribbling was this kind of thing that He'd used to be like, that's what I want to do. But Tommy and him would obviously argue because Tommy would be like, nah, it needs to be two touch, two touch. But then Booze, the likes of Boozy, Fletch was a joke as well, to be fair. I have to say that because <laughs> in, in case he hears this. <laughs> yeah, he was all right as well. But yeah, on ability, like Benji was class as well. There, there were so many good good players. You say Benji always struck me as being a bit moody. Benji was a really nice guy. Really? Really, really nice guy. Yeah, he's him and Zuman, both of them, just nice, nice guys. Kept themselves to themselves off the pitch, like and yeah, I liked Benji. He was a good guy. We used to have a bit of banter because we'd be the ones that would be getting sort of left out here and there. So we'd have a little like kind of bitch fit about about life, probably, <laughs> and we'd tell each other how good we are and how we should be playing. 
<laughs> so we'd keep our morales up together. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, like, um, am I right to say the first game of that season was at Tynecastle when you won 1 0? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And Brian Kerr scored. Is that, is that right? That was it, yeah. Kersey. Kersey was actually at Newcastle when I was there as well. Yeah, Kersey's another great player. He's a great guy as well, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the first game I remember. Sorry, go on. Sorry, yeah, I just remembered I was injured first. I remember getting warmed up, but I was actually injured for it. And I was thinking, oh, please don't bring me on. And then he brought me on. And I thought, oh my God, I feel. But yeah, it's, it's like I rolled my ankle, I think, in training. Mm-hmm. I'd actually rolled my ankle and found out later that I'd actually chipped it and bro- I'd broken it, a small break in it. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get back on on, on it. And then uh, at the time, I called the physio. Was, I was saying to him, I was like, something's not right. I was like, I can't run, I can't run, I can't stop properly, I can't do anything. And luckily, he actually persevered and found another person to read the x-ray and that and I'd actually got a little crack in it so to all those fans that were giving me a lot of grief they should feel quite bad actually now because <clears> I did have a broken ankle once again I thought I know but I, I want to bring his feelings so Hearts fans if you're listening fuck off <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was a nice point though like see you like walking about Edinburgh you're new to the city did you get hassle from Hearts fans or anything never no never uh, never got anything from them. Hibs fans would be Hibs fans would be good. Sometimes Hibs fans would be bad. Would be on a kind of on a Saturday, mm-hmm. and if you're not doing what they'd expect you to be doing, yeah. And like the gaffer might have a different plan for you, but the fans were very passionate as fans are, which makes the game good. They can say what they want, but they're more passionate. Then off the pitch, they were good as gold. Have a laugh with you when you're out. So you never got any grief. Never got any grief with by Hearts fans either. <laughs> Only for that big motorbike you bought me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it. Apart from that, <laughs> I wanted to talk about um, well, a couple of the, two players in particular actually. Eve Michaelambe. Now he got a lot of stick, despite the fact that he came through the ranks at Chelsea. So he clearly had a decent kind of football and education. He was coached the right way. When he came yeah. to Hibs, he was known for a, a, a series and a catalogue of like you know, calamitous, calamitous errors. Um, what was he like as a guy? And do you think he was underrated as well? Yeah, he was, he, was, he was a gentle guy, really nice guy. It's, it's like m- most of these people, to be fair, they're, they're normal people. They're like, yeah. they're everyone's like us. They're actual people. And when they get a lot of grief, said they kind of will get to them as well. So he was another one that's confidence obviously went cause, because of his size. When you used to see him, he was an absolute mountain. Like he was huge. <laughs> and you used to think he'd be coming out commanding everything, like catching everything. I think he had a couple of spills and stuff, which. Once you lose your confidence in us, it's a big kind of thing to get it back. But ability-wise, he practices kicking everything a lot. Stuff that he kind of got a lot of grief on. But then in training, he was he was really good. So it was one of them that he just wasn't bringing it to the to games what he actually had. But I sort of put it down to kind of confidence thing that once you'd lost, that you get a fear in you, and once you're scared of doing something, I think there's you're not in a place where you can exactly hide it, can you? So, um, yeah, I felt a little bit sorry for him, actually, because he did get a lot of grief. And he, he was a good player. He was a good keeper. Mm-hmm. Derek Ryerden rejoined the club in your second season there. Deeks. How good a talent was he? <laughs> Deeks was a joke. Deeks mm-hmm. strike the ball. If Deeks looked after himself as much now, uh, sorry, much back then as he does now, he would have he been ridiculous. I just remember his diet. He used to be thinking in disguise because he used to never work out or anything. But then ability, he'd come in because me and Fletch would be in practicing our uh, free kicks and striking and stuff and then he'd come in and it's just his ability on doing the Ronaldo strike 
was ridiculous. He was on ability and finishing. He was just so good. But I just mm. think his um, athletic ability was the thing that probably let him down. He's obviously still had a great career, but I think he would have stayed right at the top if his um, if he looked after himself probably a little mm. bit better. I'd say he probably agrees with us. I think he probably would. I think it's also commonly accepted. I think if he didn't go out eighty-three times a week, I think he might have been a, a made him more of his career. Um, it's widely, yeah. I mean, it's it's alleged that he um, was not permitted to enter the premises of a lot of nightclubs in Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, was that something you got a vibe of at the time, or was he just yeah, like, yeah? We knew about because he told us. He'd tell us that. <laughs> <laughs> so he's obviously had to keep. But it wasn't just him. It was people he was associated, etc. With. But um, yeah, they like to get in a little bit of trouble, and because he was obviously the big name, it would always fall back. And I mean, he's the one that would be recognised. So I remember that if we used to want to go for a drink, he'd have like he'd nearly have an A4 pad of places he wasn't allowed to go, and there'd be like two little, like sort of not exactly what we'd where we'd want to be going, like little dingy back street bars that he'd be saying is great, but we'd be like, oh my god, this place is But it was the only place he was actually allowed in. So Deeks never got invited out on nights out, really. <laughs> so much so, he's actually got his own bar in Edinburgh. I was in it in like the summer. I don't know why. Um, I think he had. To, I think he had to because he couldn't get drink anywhere else. <laughs> That's exactly. I asked to order his create his own bar and order boost to his own bar, man. <laughs> yeah, I do because I, I follow him on a. Is it Instagram? I think he's got. Uh, I've got him on Instagram. Yeah. Because right. I see him plugging the the ketones as well. Oh Jesus! And the, and the the garden and business as well. Oh, is he? <laughs> oh, geez, I, I don't think, I can't imagine him being a landscape gardener. I mean, you, but I don't, I don't know what he's up to. But, no, I haven't got a clue either, to be honest. But he's a classic. He's a classic case, almost of like a uh, problem Scotland has. I think Gary O'Connor had the same problem because they came through very, very similar ages, and yeah. they were very precocious talents back then. <laughs> um, it's very hard to know what went wrong, other than the fact that he could have made a lot more of his career, played for Celtic. And did you get the feeling at Hibs he felt he had a point to prove when, prove when he came back? Oh really? I, I thought I had a feeling that he had like he had made his point and he was coming back. Kind of, he he had proven himself at Hibs, so it was more like a comfort thing to come back to. He'd gone to Celtic and probably not got as much game time, etc., as he probably wanted. And then he came back and was probably a little bit more relaxed when he came back to Hibs and maybe not do as much kind of physical work as he as he should have done mm-hmm. on it. But then his ability alone was enough to obviously keep him playing all the time but he was he was surrounded by good players like he had obviously Fletch up front with him there was a lot of Nish as well was up front with him <laughs> Colin He's Nish Colin yeah. Nish yeah good, another good guy how did you find Mixu Patalina as manager? Um, he was yeah he was okay like he'd he'd be okay he'd talk to me and tell me sort of stuff and then just yeah, it was hard to sort of come across as sort of. I probably was having a bit of sort of head loss when I was there as well because I was more frustrated with myself not being able to sort of produce what I knew I was able to do. And then when he was there, he was wanting a kind of different sort of style of play and playing just kind of workhorses instead of playing kind of ability instead of trying to give me games to get my confidence up and <clears throat> sort of more flair he went with more workhorses that he knew would put in like I, I completely understand actually why he did but <clears throat> from a sort of selfish point of view I probably would have needed a little bit of TLC a couple of games and shown that he actually sort of rates me and if I have a cut game or two bad I'll still he'll still sort of stand by me and let me prove it as for he went for other players that would 
work probably a lot harder than me, but maybe not have the same kind of impact on the game or sort of excitement. Could Big Mixer lose it? Yeah, but not as much as you think. He looks like a guy that would lose it all the time, but he didn't lose it as much. Not that I saw. I'm just trying to think if he did in any time. Yeah, he did lose it a couple of times in change room. He's a big guy as well, scary. But then he had Parky, who was his like... uh, the logical one. So Parky was always, I love Parky. Parky was always the one that I spoke to and that would sort of say, he was a bit like Tommy Craig. I always sort of put him down as a kind of Tommy Craig thing. His training was brilliant. And he, he obviously went, uh, he done loads in the Scottish FA, didn't he? Yeah, Parker, that's right. He does all the Is it Donald, Donald Park? Is it? Is it Donald, Donald Park? Yeah, 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 yeah. Hi. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Parky was, Parky was good. Um, with with people that weren't playing and obviously when you're not playing you, you don't really want to become like poisoned to the changing room but if you ask anyone it's, it's never a nice position to be in when you see the lads out there and they're winning and they've got a good vibe and you're trying to be part of the team you, you don't feel like you're part of the team you feel like it's them they're the ones sort of achieving it and you're like a bit of a spare tool but it's part and parcel of the game but Parky was the kind of the in-between guy in when Mixie would be kind of losing it or not making sense Parky would always kind of make sense and tell you what he, he maybe tell you what you wanted to hear a little bit as well. So he knew how to sort of keep you keep you up your morales and stuff up. Almost kind of good cop, bad cop, almost. Yeah, so it probably worked quite well actually for them. But I do yeah. I like, I like Parky, liked him a lot. And said I don't really know anyone that would have a sort of bad thing to say against him. Mixu was was different. I liked Mixu um, as a guy, but when he was obviously my manager and not playing me. I've probably had a little bit of hate towards him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he's not done that, he's trying to battle Walter Smith at the side of the pitch, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> did you I'll play, did you play that game? Bathroom as well. Nah, did I? I don't know. I'm crap with memories and stuff like that. I need to be prompted as you're doing. You're doing very well with me. <laughs> you're feeding me new stuff to remember. <laughs> I was going to ask as well, again, you, you play with the play then. I have seen a picture of you playing at Ibrox and I did wonder if that was the, the game. Um, but you also played, or you were part of the squad that went to Parkhead, Ibrox, Tynecastle, Pataudry. Like, did you have like a favourite away ground that you used to go to in Scotland? No, I just remember I used to hate Inverness. That's oh, the one oh. place I remember getting off the bus there and the wind hitting you. Yeah, it was horrific. And like the drive, because the, the drives up are like on old Roman roads or something. They felt like. <laughs> and I just remember getting there thinking this place I hate this and then they'd always be up for us because they were at home and I remember all the lads saying we never get a result here and I was thinking oh come on we'll have to and like you'd look where they are in the league and you think we've got too much ability here but just mm. everyone's ability is like zapped out when you get off the bus and the wind hits you and the weather hits you and you're just like oh this is horrific and then they they're, they were just good up there and we used to always just struggle I remember feeling I used to feel like I was probably about five stone heavier than I was when I was up there it was that was a tough place but the Glasgow clubs were the best to go to Parkhead amazing um, yeah Ibrox as well they're both places like when I was growing up that you look you'd always have to as an Irish guy growing up uh, in Republic you'd sort of Celtic was always your team and then you, you kind of tick the boxes and it's only when you like when we're chatting about it you kind of look back and think geez I've ticked quite a lot of boxes because we played against Barcelona as well um, all right yeah, and a friendly. So I said, we got to do that. Messi played. There was loads. Because he was up against Paul Hanlon. <laughs> yeah, he was, honestly. And I remember, because Paul Hanlon, right, is, was actually quite good. So when I used to play against him in, like, 1v1s, 
I just think he's got a bit. He's a good player. I think Messi must have had like two goals in the first two minutes. Like absolutely just destroyed him. And I was thinking, oh my God. And then I remember Paul shouting for me to come back and help him. And I was like, no I'm chance of my coming. Off. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm staying up here. I ain't going near near him. But yeah, we got to play against obviously all them. That, that squad, I got a, a picture of all the players that were actually there. It was when Henri was on there as well. Xavi, Iniesta, like um, PK. Uh, Al- Alves what's his name what's his name the right back Danny Alves Danny Alves yeah Danny Alves uh-huh. there's so many good good players that we got to play in a friendly against so did you not get beat 6 now? yeah we didn't have to talk about the score I'm giving you experience <laughs> here <laughs> I've got Sam Alves on the phone here mate he's, he's feeding me heads to ask you you know what I mean <laughs> tell him I did alright all don't look the score <laughs> I still talked to Fletch actually about that game because he said to me I, I mean we broke so uh, Barcelona had a corner came in one of our guys headed it to me and I obviously picked it up and I remember Danny Alves was trying to race me and I absolutely blitzed by him flew by him flew up yeah <laughs> the usual story go to cross it <laughs> keeper comes out picks it up Fletch was on his own in the box and he said to me, he goes, if you had found me with that pass, your life would have been, <laughs> would have been different. <laughs> so every time we bring up Barcelona, he tells me that story. He was like, I was on my own. He says, nobody was around me. You just had to square it and I could have said I scored against Barca. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to like Stephen Fletcher. <laughs> yeah, he talked sense. He did talk sense. Because I remember after, it's the only bit of the game I actually remember, was running really quick. And then the usual crap cross and the keeper picked it up. But they might have actually, might have picked it up threw it out and they went and scored I think that could possibly be the actual story so um, yeah I was going to say that kind of dovetails quite nicely into the next point you're pretty good mates with Fletch in fact your best mates with Fletch how about coming about just like living the year in each other in Edinburgh or like yeah we that's what we did said when I because when I first went there he was away on international duty I think he was might have been at the World Cup for the 21s or something and aye, so I remember aye. Tommy Craig talking about him going you'll really link up with this guy he's like he's so good his left foot's a joke he's great in the air like proper bigging him up and I was thinking in my head I was like I've never even heard but I didn't hurt anyone like I'm cl- if you ask any of the lads with footballers names and stuff I'm crap I said I never know anyone's names or know anyone really and uh, I was like who's this guy so I just remember and then I got talking to him just became really good friends with him and he's one of my best mates like I said he's He's the one who we do a uh, bit of business together. He mm-hmm. plugs us and uh, yeah, when, when he does eventually retire, he will uh, be my business partner. So we uh, we have a, we speak every day and talk stuff. That he, he loves us. It's, it's both our interests. We always enjoyed cars when we were there. So it's like a joint interest and he uh, gets the leads and I try to do the deals. That's how that kind of works. But we just stayed close after him because he obviously went one way and then I uh-huh. went the other way <laughs> Listen, we actually had the same football agent he tries to deny it I'm good friends with his football his current football agent and I hope he's listening because I'm going to send him a link after and he tries to hide that he was ever my football agent oh mate <laughs> but he done my deal to Hibs <laughs> same agent as Fletch yeah so I just think I'll, I'll just say a little hello to him there how would you look back on your time at Easter Road uh, it was yeah, character building would be the probably the way I'd use it. It was I actually really loved Edinburgh, really loved the city, loved all the tea. Lo- I, lo- I loved actually the, the 
the yeah everything about it just the football was just a disaster I went from feeling that I was such a good player like I was the up and coming and like had a proper career ahead of me to feeling that it was going the wrong way so for me it was a, probably a negative point I've actually never been back to Edinburgh since mm. so I haven't to, which is yeah. I was going to say go on it's yeah it's a bit of a shame because it's such a nice city like I love the, the city is absolutely stunning Um I said I will go back, but it was just a place that I left and just thought I'd never actually go back because it just it killed all my confidence. Like, just every everything sort of do with it. So I'd probably look at it as being a kind of very negative point in my life, nearly just for the fact of when I went there, how good I felt to how I left there, so happy to be like driving out of there, thinking, "Thank God that's over." Like, mm. just they they were wanting me out. Like they were. They were, they were driving me down the motorway to Swindon. It was a big rod, was it? Rod Petrie, aye, aye. He was offering me a lift down to Swindon. Your taxi's in shape. He offered me a Michael Owens chopper to Swindon. He did. I do not. I do not want to see Rod Petrie's chopper. That's for sure. I so, know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you mentioned that uh, that was a kind of negative point in your life. Um, I think in this kind of paradigm of football where it's a bit more modern there's a bit more kind of welfare systems in place for football so maybe suffering from mental health problems did you yeah. think your mental health was affected during your time in Edinburgh in any kind of negative uh, like it's I've got a different thing to it I look at this as sort of building up my my character at the time I think I actually did I did see somebody I saw a sports psychologist just because my confidence had gone like I used to honestly when I'd get on the pitch I'd feel like like my boots were on, the, like my legs were on the wrong way around nearly. Like just nothing. And then like in training, I just, I felt good in training when I was comfortable. And like I've shown people like go by them. And I went from being a player that used to go, like any player I'd come up against, I didn't care, I'd knock it by them. And to go and like, I, I used to not do anything. And just my head just went to a level where I was just like, my confidence was just completely gone. So I, I wouldn't say it's the to kind of mental health. I'd just say my confidence was just at such a low point. And because of my age, I hadn't actually realised how to probably get it back up to me. And it's a gradual thing. You're not just going to wake up in one morning and think, oh, I'm confident again. It's little tiny steps. But it needs. it's, it's very hard kind of in football because managers are on a – it's like a ticking time bomb, isn't it? Like they've got a certain amount of games that they can play and win or lose or they get the sack. And if you're not that and someone else is going to do a job better than you, you've got to hold your hands up and say, I kind of understand, but – when it's actually you doing it, you need like some TLC and being told you're good and then proving it by playing games, not being left out. Like some games you'd get left out and you'd be thinking, how am I actually getting left out here? You'd play really well in like a reserve game or like a friendly or something just because you don't obviously play on say the weekend to then thinking, oh, I'll have to play. In training, like you'd have ripped, ripped up everybody and just being on fire and feel geez I'm good to then not being even in the squad you'd be like sat watching and just thinking what is actually going on so it's, it's I understand why people say mental health but I, I don't know what the other word would be to sort of deal with it it's just it's a different thing and it used to like you used to yeah just used to get you down but I think every player will sort of do it and I think it's how you cope with it kind of makes you who you are because it's made me a completely different person now so the out of football it's made me like yeah completely different really really grows but at the time and you're wanting to make it in football I think there could have been other sort of avenues to take to 
make me keep stay in love with the game that I used to go go to bed every night praying that I was a footballer to going to bed every night praying that I get out of football. I used to like go to bed just saying I don't want to play football anymore. And that was like what when I was 24, 25 at an age when like physically I should have been absolutely flying and then you'd get injured and you'd attract more injuries to you. But it's just because your actual whole thing changes of what you thought something was, wasn't. And it's it's a game that is not always very fair. I think if you speak to anyone, it can be a very unfair game. And if you speak to anyone still in the game, they will have all come through a point that they'd say it's probably the harshest sport. It's the harshest job you could probably be in. People look on the outside and think, oh, footballer, they drive nice cars, they have nice houses. It's but it's yeah your confidence everything to do with it and you don't kind of get probably the support in different angles that other people might you come across um, as a very sincere and honest guy and I think uh, footballers who are currently in the non-league system are uh, currently kind of going through a bit of kind of um, going through a low point they're going through um, kind of low moods and all that and confidence issues what advice would you have to players who maybe at the age of 24-25 are suffering from really a massively low confidence levels and they feel like they can't really reach out to people let alone their own coaching staff what kind of advice would you have in terms of developing your character for example if you do live alone in Edinburgh or a city or a town you don't really you're not that familiar with um, what kind of advice would you have for those kind of players you need, you need to get your head in the right place you need to realise what you actually want like I knew I know now what I want in, in kind of life as, as kind of probably cringe or cliche as it might sound I think you've got to really think that if you're after something, right, is this what I'm going to have to do? At the time, I know my mind went from, I love football, it's all I want to do, to I hate football, I'd rather be working nine to five. I didn't realise what nine to five actually was because if I did, I would have worked a hell of a lot harder at football and thought, like, honestly, I did. I had to go to Mercedes-Benz and answer. I think we used to have to make 120 calls to try book people in to do sales, either buy a car or do a service. And I was thinking... If I had realized what actual work was at the time, I would have appreciated it more. But I'd say you'd need to have a real look at yourself. Like even now when I go out for a walk, I listen to positive mind. You just got, your, got to get your mind in the right position and realize that if it's football that you want to be, right, what can I actually do to make this happen? If it's not football, then you know what, get out of it. Life's too short. And I said, I just know from looking back at us, when I was, what, probably 24, 25, you know what, sort of uh, between Hibs and Swindon, I would have changed my whole mentality when I'd got injured. I wouldn't have been going out drinking because that's not the answer to it. I would have got my head down. I would have eaten right. I would have trained harder. There's, there's so many things. I think you've got to have a really brutal and honest conversation with yourself and think, did you do enough? Have you done? You need to be able to look in the mirror and think, yeah, is is it my fault or do I want to just blame other people because it's easy for us all to blame like I could blame all these managers that, but at the end of the day I didn't do myself justice because I didn't put the the effort in when I'd got bad injuries I didn't like start looking after my diet doing more training than I should focus on areas of weaknesses and stuff so I think it's just getting to such an elite kind of level that if you're not fully committed to it, you'll be found out. And it doesn't matter on your ability, your speed. Like I had so many good attributes that in theory I should have, or I still should be playing now probably. But I said, if you're not able to apply yourself to it, the ability and all that comes bottom because there's other people there that will do the sacrifices that maybe you're not willing to take. 